Hey everybody, this is Seth. This is Josh. And this is a disclaimer that some of these episodes of Family Trips were recorded before the Screen Actors Guild strike took place. So if people are talking about work that they have coming out, we just want you to know that they were not breaking strike rules by doing so. And moving forward, we're going to make sure that doesn't happen with any future guests. Thanks. Hi, Pashi. Hi, Sufi. Can I tell you one of my favorite things about the podcast so far? Yeah, please. I'm learning things about you that I didn't know. Oh, yeah? My intention was I'd learn about the celebrity guests, but I'm learning about you. Can I tell you a thing I've learned? Yeah, please. Based on how this is going in the early days of the podcast, I have a way bigger bladder than you. (laughs) No, yeah, this is true. Almost every episode, you just at some point will get up, go to the bathroom, and also as soon as they're over, you throw your headphones off and just take off. And I buzz off. Yeah. And then you text me to say, please to thank the guest. You can't even stay long <laughs> enough to say thank there's, you. There was one guest that I couldn't stay for. No, I think I, that's the truth, but I think my lie is funnier. I'm very quick with my goodbyes. You're very quick with your goodbyes. But you, you throw off your headphones like cops have been banging at the door the whole episode. I've given myself this note, and I haven't taken it yet. But we record in the morning. I'm three hours earlier. So I wake up. And I get right into some coffee yeah. and I get right into some water and I'm hydrating yeah. and I have to like remind myself, don't do that or yeah. just like a cup of coffee and you'll be fine. Now, I think, again, I don't want to make this an L.A. thing, but I think in general, people in L.A. hydrate more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you probably take it pretty seriously. And I bet if we stacked up how much water you and I drink in a day, it's a massive difference. You know who never wants water and who thinks that carrying around water is total bullshit dad mom mom oh yeah that makes sense yeah yeah she's like i'm fine i never walked around with water now everybody walks around with water i think a very jarring chart that mom's doctor could show her would be uh two bars (laughs) one being her gin and tonic intake and one being her water there's water in those yeah. Yeah. I, that makes sense. I should note that our dad is a man of science, so he would be very pro-water. Yeah. And he would be very pro-telling you about an article he read about the importance of water. hmm Even if you had read that article. Yeah. He's also pretty pro-spilling a little bit of water on his uh, chest. <laughs> 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 Particularly if the shirt is brand new. Yes. He uses water to Zorro his own clothes. That's how you know he's been there. Uh, We were in Ireland and he like bought this shirt. I want to say at a golf club that he like his like his back was hurting. So he skipped a day, but he came to he dropped us off. So mom and I could play golf. And then he bought a shirt at a club that he didn't play at. And then at lunch (laughs) spilled food all over it. Yeah. I mean, it's been a long-standing bit that dad can't eat a thing with mustard on it without getting mustard on himself. Yeah, yeah. His food marks him the way dogs mark a lawn. <laughs> uh, we don't, we've never done Christmas stockings for them, but I feel like those little stain sticks would be perfect. But see, do you think if you gave dad a stain stick, he would actually carry it around with him? I don't know. He's retired now, so maybe, maybe it's going to be. <laughs> so maybe it's more, he has more pockets. His retirement. Like, he's looking for a new identity. He's going to be the stain stick guy? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Our dad did just retire. 
and our dad uh, worked for a French bank and it was really fun. I told Josh, I got to go to his retirement. And it's very strange to watch people who spent more time with your dad over the course of the last 25 years than we have. I mean, they saw him all the time. Yeah. And they actually know what he did. (laughs) They did know what he did. I should note that Josh and I cannot explain. We can only say that it's trade finance. And maybe we'll do a special bonus pod for no listeners where dad explains what he does for a living. But it was very interesting listening to uh, French bankers talk about dad lovingly, but also making it very clear that they know the same guy we know. Yeah. Someone said, uh, uh, one thing we will miss about you, Larry, is uh, you always spoke your mind. And uh, one thing we will not miss about you is you always spoke your mind. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) It's a well-crafted line. Well-crafted line. You know, the uh, French bankers, known for their uh, well-crafted Bon mots. Bon mots and yeah. witty repartee. Yeah, there you go. A couple of French words in there for you. We should note there are currently two guilds on strike, the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild. And so moving forward, when we have guests on this show, if they're in any of those guilds, I think usually, either in the introduction or in the body of the interview, we talk about work they have coming up. We're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to promote work they did for struck companies. And I should stress that it's very heartbreaking for writers, for actors to be in a position where they have work coming out that they're proud of and they're not in a position to talk about it. It is a real sacrifice for them. And it's one we applaud because it is part of the collective action that they're taking. And it really does draw attention to the reasons they're on strike. So if you hear the absence or you notice the absence of us not talking about upcoming projects, uh, that is a decision that's made by all the members of both those guilds and a decision that we are both participating in and one we respect. I think I said that really well. I think you did too. I have nothing to add. Yeah. I would only just say that I could have used a little nod or something. You sort of went a little dead-faced. Yeah. Were you thinking about the next time you were going to go to the bathroom? I don't know. I was thinking about that. It looks like you haven't had a shower in a couple of days. I just took a shower. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'll tell you what. That really. Okay. Anyway, you know what? I'm going to bring a third person to this conversation. I, I don't care about how this is going so far. Hey, uh, one of my favorite people, John Oliver, is about to join us. And I really, we had a wonderful conversation with John. Yeah. Found yeah. a lot of stuff out about him. That I didn't know. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's great. He's so he's so charming, and he uh, he knows what he's doing. As a guy with a talk show, uh, he knows how to he knows how to talk. He knows how to talk. Knows how to tell a story. I have no doubts you're going to enjoy it. So please sit back and listen to Josh and I and John Oliver. John, this podcast is called Family Trips, and we want to dig into your past and your family trips. Good luck. Good luck. I'm British, Seth. You know that. So (laughs) you're uh, embarking on a kind of emotional excavation that is uncharted territory. I don't know what you're going to find there. I've lived an (laughs) unexamined life. (laughs) Well, this is just about places you've gone. This is just a travelogue. 
Well, do you remember an early family trip? What kind of vacations did you take when you were young? We took the, basically the same vacation every single year, two weeks in Dawlish, Devon, which was a, a British seaside town. The kind of seaside town you might have heard Morrissey sing about every now yeah. and then. Uh, Punch and Judy, you know, do you, have, do, you, do you have Punch and Judy here? Do you know what that Punch is? Punch and Judy, that's, those are puppet shows? Puppet show on the beach, yeah, basically like a, like a little column, red and white, and then uh, Punch and Judy would punch with, uh, and his wife a lot of domestic violence. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean a lot. I mean, his name was Punch. <laughs> yeah. That's right, and yeah, I believe, ironically, he hit her with a plank a lot. Huh. If I remember, if I remember right, uh, I th- I think they've probably um, changed Punch and Judy now. I would imagine, or just stopped it because you know it's not good for children yeah. to see. Uh, what Punch beat the shit out of Judy because she stepped out of line. <laughs> uh, yeah, that Punch and Judy shows Sticks of Rock. Again, I don't think that's something you have here, What's, right? What is that? It's like it's like a long tube. Of like sold <laughs> hard candy, okay, and then it will have written inside it um, where where you got it from. So it would say Dawlish on the inside. It would be it would taste minty, but I really I cannot get across to you how hot this thing was. You could not bite it without causing yourself significant injuries. So instead, you kind of suck on it for two weeks. For two weeks, okay, gotcha. So this is a a sort of a, a hard candy that will last you for the entire vacation. Yeah, like beef jerky, but sugar based. <laughs> we real quick on Punch and Judy. Mm-hmm. Were you the sort of kid who knew you were watching something bad when you were little? Did you were you already sort of judgmental? You know, I really wish I could say yes to that. I do remember being told. Punch and Judy had a lot of domestic violence in it and then kind of flashing back going, oh yeah, oh yeah, he did hit her a lot. But I, you have to understand that the atmosphere in the crowd at that time was kind of cheering him <laughs> along as a child, I believe. Right, right. But yeah, yeah. N- now, now definitely I know that that was wrong and I don't think I was in a position to judge even as a nine-year-old who probably should have been. And so you're all just sort of piled into a little, uh, a sort of theater setting? No, 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 no. This would be, that's a, very charming to think that this requires a theater. Okay. No, this is out. Punch and Judy shows in out, outdoors. They're an outdoor Got activity. It. And um, yeah, it's literally, it's like, uh, I mean, it's, it's tent based, but you can only get one person inside there. Yes. Okay. He, and so if you only he, have one, if one guy work in the Punch and Judy or lady, yes. we don't know. It could have been, although based on, on how it ended up, I'm going to I think it would be it was... very difficult for a female puppeteer to do and feel like she wasn't selling out everything important about morality. <laughs> and so then I'm assuming you're only got tops a hundred kids, right? If there's, if oh, we're talking about one. I think you're talking about seven. Okay, seven, seven kids. Seven to ten children. That's the audience for this? That's the audience yeah. for this show? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I think it's come one, come all, come seven in their entirety. <laughs> are we ready to go? Yeah, we are. Okay. Let me just take a swig of something behind this tent. All right. I'm, <laughs> I'm about to unleash some frustration. Why do you talk to me like that? Smack, smack, smack. <laughs> Mr. Punch! Yay! What time of year do you make your two-week trip? What is your... Well, we don't have these these long kind of movie-like summers that you have here. We had like five to six weeks. Got it. Uh, off in, but in mainly in August. Uh, so we would go for two weeks in August and we would drive there. 
And how long a drive from from uh, the Midlands? Again, the context would be at this, at this stage we were driving from Bedford to Dawlish. It was probably about four hours, but for a British child, that's an awfully long time. Now I've recalibrated, and for American kids, four hours is nothing. Four hours for us was at, at, you couldn't even fathom that you were in the same day by the time you stopped. I feel like four hours for us did feel long because we're from New really? England, so all the states are smaller. So, like, because crossing a border, crossing into Massachusetts or crossing into Vermont, like, was exciting. It was a notable thing. And if you had two of those in one drive, it was like, whoa, wow. Would you break up even a four-hour drive? I don't think we would. I think we'd jam through. What, yeah. what was the um, vomiting situation as children? What was the motion sickness situation that you were dealing with? I have no motion sickness. Yeah, I don't think... I don't recall any. Would your parents agree with that? Would they say, oh, you don't remember when we were holding you out the window? <laughs> I don't. I was, I mean, trust I did some vomiting in my day, John. I'm not going to argue with that. But it just never was motion-based. It okay. was more maybe sort of eating uh, the wrong thing at the wrong time. Were you, uh, did you suffer that? I think we went, each went through a phase of it, but there were four of us. So we were kind of, I'm not sure there was a down period. I'm not sure if there's okay. a point at which there wasn't a kind of, we need to pull over right now. Yeah, and we would leave early in the morning. That was the exciting thing to beat the traffic. We would uh, we would go in our pajamas, and the idea of being in a car in your pajamas was vacation enough, to be honest. So you would look forward to this four hour drive. This was very, not something you very dreaded. Much. Yes, that's great because pajamas, and we would stop yep. off for a roadside uh, at a roadside cafe to have breakfast, and that's again was a massive treat. Yeah, I can remember we like we had mornings where we would get. I feel like just picked up out of bed and laid in the car and yeah. then you'd wake up and we'd be like at some like mountain to go hiking or skiing in New Hampshire and you'd be like, oh, but here we are. Yeah, you're painting again more of a Norman Rockwell image than <laughs> yes. I think well, we'll be loading the Northeast, car. We're in New Hampshire here, John. <laughs> and then you're being dropped off in a Morrissey song watching puppets beat the shit out of each other. But, but yeah. Josh and I are very different <laughs> because I remember I dreaded the arrival I liked the drive, but I, I hated getting to the ski mountain because that meant you had to get out of the car, you had to be cold, and you had to do skiing, which I don't care for to this day. Of course. Uh, why would you put your knees through that? What would you listen to in the car? This makes us sound very elevated, but credit to my parents. We used to listen to book on tapes all the time. Oh, and nice. Like my, mom would, my mom would get them out from the library. I remember we listened to a lot of Gene Shepard you know, the uh, Christmas story? I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but he was, that oh, was yeah. based on one of his stories. And he had a lot of just stories about himself growing up. So it was like listening to other family stories. I mean, we were huh. probably a little older. The first time, I did not read Catch-22 the first time I was introduced to it. I listened to Alan Arkin read it. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I remember that made me nauseous. There was like, <laughs> listening- there was so much description of blood. yeah. That's and fair. I, I recall That's being fair. like, I can't, I can't do this right now. Um, <laughs> wow, that is, Alan Arkin walking you through Catch-22 is not, not bad. the most relaxing way to vacation, is it? It's, go- it's, it's a good way, but it's not the most yeah. relaxing. No. I'd still, I'd still rather listen to a bombardier describe his guts falling out than be on a ski mountain. Now, John, <laughs> what did you guys listen to? Uh, I think... The Commodores. My dad liked okay. the Commodores. All right. And I believe there was a, I think it had a tape by a band called The Flying Pickets. Oh, wow. I think they were. 
Is it possible that the Flying Pickets was a band your dad was secretly in and he used this road trip to try to sell you guys on it? I'm not saying definite no to that. I'm Googling <laughs> it now and my whole world might just fall apart. <laughs> the Flying Pickets. There was, they, I think they were like... They're a vocal group. Yes, there was definitely some tight harmonizing. I remember that. I remember once I started... Ba-da-da-da. Ba-da-da-da. British a cappella vocal group who had a Christmas number one. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Only you. I think that might have been what I just sang. Did you think your dad was cool growing up, John? Let me say I did think my dad was very cool. Josh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, my dad was a teacher. Mm -hmm. And what was very, very, very cool was that uh, he taught in an upper school and he was able to open it up. For my birthday parties, we would play five-a-side football in a big school. Wow. And in the gym. And that was unbelievably cool. There's basically nothing cooler that you had access to than five-a-side nets yeah, that you could that's really all good. play in. It was pretty good. And with a trampoline, a grown-up trampoline next door. Like a someone's going to break their legs trampoline. Our mom was a school teacher, and yeah. I remember we had access because of that to a laminator. And so I would, you know, there would be a, a, a Sports Illustrated cover that I would cut out and then she would laminate it and I'd hang it on my wall. And I remember kids coming over and being like, whoa, how did, and I'm like, yeah, I just got access to a laminator. Yeah, I just, I, I live a life that uh, you, you'll never live. Certain things are afforded to me that you will never have. Which, by the way, you won't. I, there's, even the richest kid in America doesn't have a laminator at home. Yeah, I would, that's I would thing. venture. That's pretty fucking cool. You got to be part of a public institution to have access. Yes, to that's it. right. It was basically the only upside of working in public education was occasional access to things like that. Yeah. He was never your teacher, though. Absolutely not. Gotcha. Never. He was a head teacher. Oh. And I was vehemently opposed to attending his school when I was 13. Years old. I remember once playing his school. I think we had a rugby game against them, and I was playing in the second row of the scrum, so you're kind of locked in together. I remember hearing one of the other kids say, "That's you're Mr. Oliver's son, aren't you?" And I just I spoke fast enough. I said yes, and I felt a fist fly underneath. And I thought, <laughs> "This is why. This is why I chose a different school." Uh, By the way, this I like that you verified something I've long thought, which is it is possible in a rugby scrum to have a conversation like that. Uh, 100% possible. It's almost weird not to have a conversation because you're there for a while. Your heads are right next to each other. So it would almost be weird to say, not to, hey, how's, it, uh, how's everything going? When do you think this game will be over soon? It doesn't feel like any of us are good enough at this for this to be safe. Did you enjoy playing rugby? That does I not hated, seem... I hated yeah. it. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I loved football and hated rugby with a deep, deep passion. I played uh, Pop Warner football one year, and I should note it's Josh's fault. Can I tell the why I ended up playing football, Josh, and you didn't? Uh, yeah, sure. Are you talking about American football now? American yeah. football. Yeah. Josh wanted to play football, and we every Sunday we would go out, my brother and I and my dad, and we would play one-on-one -on -one football, where my dad would be the quarterback, and we would have a grand old time. Mm -hmm. Really fun. I looked forward to it a great deal. Then Josh decided he wanted to play organized football. I'm two years older, and I'm like, well, if he's going to play, I'm going to play. So we go to our first day of Pop Warner football, and they ask you to strip down to your underwear so they can size you up for pads. And then, Josh, do you want to say what happened? <laughs> yeah, well, you know when you have a cup, like you, you want to wear a cup when you're playing a contact sport, and there's an athletic supporter that the cup goes in. So it's sort mm -hmm. of like a strap 
yes. like thing. Now, I didn't know that with an athletic supporter, you should also wear underwear. So yeah. I was just wearing something that looked sort of like lingerie in a way, aggressive lingerie. And I was like, there's no way I'm taking my pants off with my little, I don't know, 10-year-old butt cheeks out in the wind. So I'm going to... I'm going to walk up this hill and I'm mm -hmm. going to cry and I'm going to sit next to this school and I'm going to wait for practice to be over and then I'm going to uh, not play football. Basically what happened, John, is I did not realize this. I took off because I was wearing underwear. I took off my pants. I got sized up. They put pads on me. I went out, played a whole practice, had no idea that Josh had walked into the changing tent, found out you had to take your pants off, turned around, told my mommy quit, got in the car and waited. And so then I got back in the car and then we went home and I told my dad, well, I want to quit too. And my dad basically gave me this long speech about not being a quitter, completely ignoring the fact that Josh had like self quit based on forgetting to wear underwear as a 10 year old. And so I played a whole season of Pop Warner football, the worst year of my life. I remember we were playing in the state championship to go to the New England finals and our star running back, I barely played, but I was on the bench and our star running back fumbled. And everybody on our team was so despondent. And I was low-key the happiest I think I had been my entire 12-year-old life. I was so happy. When we got on the bus, I was so happy that was the end of it. I would infuriate a sports teacher because the beauty of being in the scrum is you can just stay in there. When the ball comes out, if you want to, you can just stay there for a little bit. You can kind of just hide in a large mass of people. <laughs> I remember once getting the ball, running as fast as I could and thinking, I don't know why I did this, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were very big at the time. Sure. And I just yelled cowbunga uh, yeah. while I was running. And uh, I remember he blew the whistle, stopped the game, brought me over, real grown-up angry with me, with a 13-year-old, and said, I don't think you're taking this seriously. And I said, I'm definitely not. And he said, go and stand on the side. And like you, Josh, I felt like, I think I won this exchange. I think you think you won. I think I outmaneuvered you in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go stand and not participate. Done. Yeah. I, I remember a football coach grabbing me, very similar, John, grabbing me by the face mask and screaming into my helmet, how badly do you want this? <laughs> and, and wanting to say, I got to be honest, based, based on the differences in our tone, I think I wanted a fraction as much yeah. as you do. And yet the thing is, so that was my relationship with rugby, with football, how badly I wanted that was so badly. Oh, yeah. So badly, and I just couldn't do it. That was me in baseball. I wanted to play baseball so bad. Yeah. And Josh was better at baseball. Yeah, I played, I played in high school. There was, a, there was a trip that I didn't get to go on because, uh, yeah, I had to stay back and, and play for the team. And then you had a friend just, like, take my plane ticket. It was back in the day when it was like, we're just going to say that Alex Wilshire is Josh. And, yeah. yeah. Oh, there was a, just a random child. Wow, we are truly pre-9-11 at this point. They can just oh, stow yeah. away a child. Massively pre-9-11. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, this is our other son. And people were like, okay, great. Fine. It's yeah. a son. That's fine. Yeah. Um, wow. I will say also, in my, in my defense on the underwear thing. Oh, good. Uh, a defense. I, yeah. I think prior to going for, to get like the pads and the pants, I had gone to try on helmets and... In my mind, there was no such thing as a comfortable football helmet. So they'd like put one on and I'd say, yeah, this is uncomfortable. And then I'd try another one. And I'd say it's uncomfortable. Truth is, they're all going to be uncomfortable. And the yeah. coach said the problem was that I had a geek head and that my head was just shaped in a way that yeah. a helmet wouldn't wouldn't be comfortable because of my geek. I think that's also very pre-9-11 to tell a kid they have a geek head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Did, what was his solution for that geek head? <laughs> it, it was like, we're going to order you an, another helmet. We're going to order you like a rounder helmet. The same sports teacher who got mad at me, I remember he was, um, I used to play in the school orchestra as well, which meant that I would go from football practice to orchestra practice with mud and blood on me. And then I would go from, from orchestra practice to sports practice with a violin case. I remember one time this guy, this very large man, I was like last out of the showers, everyone had gone. And uh, he closed the door before I walked out and he said, is that a violin case, Oliver? I said, yeah, it is, but let's not do this. And he said, can I have a go? I used to play the violin. He opened it and like put this child-sized instrument in his big sausage hands. And he started to play. And it was was clearly a very vulnerable moment for him. And I cannot overstate just how appalling the sound he made was. <laughs> he played, I swear this is true, three blind mice. That's what he squawked his way through. And then he gave it back to me and he said, let's never speak of this ever again. <laughs> great. And you're great at that. You're one of the classic never speak of this ever oh, again. Oh, yeah. I, re- I, I'm re- I keep a tight ship. Real cone of silence, mate. <laughs> hey, was your, did, was your dad understanding when you, did he appreciate why you did not want to go to his school? He did. I think he was disappointed because he, by the time I could have gone there, it was a better school. And I went yeah. to quite, uh, I went to our local school that was pretty rough. Um, but I was much happier there than I would have been as the headmaster's son, which I think would have defined my life at that point. I want to go back to your two weeks in, what was the name of the town again? Dorlish. Dorlish? Dorlish. D-A-W. Not door okay. like walking through it. Dorlish. Dorlish, yeah. Okay, Dorlish. Devon. So where do you stay when you go to Dollish? What are a, what's a seaside hotel situation? Well, uh, that hotel will be made of fabric. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's good for the rain. <laughs> it holds. We camped. We camped every year. This is a camp. Oh, situation. you actually camp for two weeks. Two weeks. Two human gotcha. weeks. Yeah. Oh wow. Not two dog weeks. Two human weeks. Yeah. Are you a two tent family? Or are you a one tent family? Great question. We are a one-tent family with two bedrooms. Now, bedroom, again, you're talking about just a piece of cloth yep. to separate it. So, yeah, it's a, there's a, um, it's a larger tent with a living room area. Again, I'm not sure that you're picturing the right thing when I describe this. <laughs> and then two, like, smaller compartments. Okay. But, yeah. And you, do you look forward to this? Are you, when you're young, is yeah. this awesome? Great. Yeah, I think it's the best it's the, only, it's the only vacation I know. I, I think looking back now, it's one of those situations where you have kids, you cannot fathom how hard work that must have been yeah. for my parents. At the time, it felt like everything comes together. I certainly don't remember the tent going up. Right, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember an age where you realized, I don't like this trip anymore, or did that never happen? That is a good question. I think... I think it was phased out because I think that things started opening up because we were doing this before like cheap flights to Europe. So I think right. now it might be different. Like you're kind of with the EU, well, Brexit's kind of destroyed that. But it was for a while, it was very, very easy to move around Europe. So people mm-hmm. would take European holidays a lot. We had one camping holiday in France as well. That was kind of testing what that would be like. It, what, what would something be like that wasn't Dawlish? And I believe, if I'm right, the next year we went back to Dawlish. So that it was be just right. a little too outside of the comfort zone. It was like this is a little too cosmopolitan, right? It's too French. So your parents, your dad's an educator, 
Yeah. And your mom was a, is a social worker, was a social worker? Is that he right? was, no, he was a social worker, then an educator. She was gotcha. a music teacher. So she was an educator as well? Yes. But they did not think vacation should be cosmopolitan or educational. It seemed well, like they it was. Thought it was. I don't think it was really an option. I don't think yeah. they were against it. Mm-hmm. At all, I think we just went there because we knew what it was like, and it was and it was fun. I remember, I watched the Mexico '86 World Cup and that campsite, Maradona wow. running around getting kicked by Germans, and you, I would imagine that's a wonderful memory. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Watching little Maradona get kicked by a German. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have friends that you would see from year to year who would? No, be- I don't remember that. I remember that. I remember playing a lot of football outside, but I don't remember the camp. I think I was too young for it to be like a, a social hub. I picture you also, and again, I, I, but again, I've been a little bit wrong. If you just said, does John Oliver strike you as a guy who during a rugby game would run out of a scrum yelling cowabunga, I would have guessed no. So maybe I don't, I'm not clocking you right. Were you the kind of kid that would bring a book on a vacation? I mean, definitely. I just can't yeah. remember the book. Yeah, of course. But that was part of it as well, sort of reading. Yes, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Vacation world of your mind. Yeah, that's right. Your imagination (laughs) is basically, that's right. You know, I don't like the beach much either. And I think we would go on a lot of Florida vacations. That was our our dollish. And uh, a lot of it was just reading on the beach for me. Yeah, you got, again, you have to, not to keep putting a wedge between these references, but a British beach can be hostile. This isn't like a place that you would you know, lie out and relax. This is a place where you'd be leaning into the wind. Right. <laughs> right. You're, you're enduring something. You're kind of, t- it's exfoliating your face. Whenever I think of those British seaside towns, it's like an episode of Cracker or Prime Suspect where there's been a murder. And yes. it's just walking down those long piers where, you know, that's the last person who saw yes. the girl alive is Absolutely. at the end of the pier. So yeah. I, can, I can tell there is definitely... Smuggler's Cove, I believe, was the beach uh, that uh, we went to a lot growing up. You're definitely getting some bodies there. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not hiding it with the name Smuggler's (laughs) Cove. They're not. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, Brighton, which has a rock beach, like it inflicts pain, that beach. Yeah. That is definitely has a general vibe, which is, Sarge, we found another one. Right. (laughs) Yes. There's also those... um, and and I feel like this might be a Blackpool, the sort of a... Yes, Blackpool Illuminations. Uh, uh, you know, sort of a Ferris wheel with a yes. gray Ferris wheel with uh, birds just sort of circling it. Yes, that's right. That was the other place we would go to a bunch because my, par- my family's from Liverpool. Blackpool and Morecambe Beach is where you would go there. So, yeah, we went to Blackpool a lot as well. That's, again, you're, you're in Morrissey Song territory there. Every day is like Sunday. <laughs> did you ever, as a family, did you ever visit the States? Yes. Once I, I went when I was 12 years old. So that would be, actually, that would be when I think the camping stopped for me. I went to Canada on my own to visit my auntie. Okay. Then I did grade eight in Canada. And while we were there, we uh, flew to Disney World. Wow. In Orlando. And it was incredible. I'd never been to Ray before and didn't, hadn't, uh, and didn't, go back until I came here to work. Amazing it was. So the first place you ever went in the U.S. was Disney World. Orlando, <laughs> Florida, yeah. Disney World. Wow. And as a, I will say, as a 13-year-old, you get to go, they've done it. They kind of did it. Yeah. Everything this you'd is. read, everything you'd heard about the U.S. was, was true. They wrote, check, they wrote checks that they cashed emphatically. <laughs> yeah. 
Have you gone back with your children to Disney World? No, not yet. I wasn't sure what age would be right. I feel like, have you but done you it? But you will yet? do it. Absolutely, I will do it. Yeah. Yeah. Colin Jost goes every year and has continued to go every year with his family into adulthood. I want our listeners to know John is making exactly the face you are making upon hearing this. <laughs> yeah, whatever your, whatever face you're making at home, it's a version of it. I think I've probably cycled through about three of them. I think I've done... Hmm. No, you were surprised by me playing rugby and shouting cowabunga. I think I feel yeah. like you were less surprised than I am that Colin Jost, as an adult, went yeah. to Disney World every year. With his family. I don't know. It's With changed the way I think about him. Yeah. So I agree. I think the key is you can't go every if you go year, too soon. Huh? Every year. You, every year. If you go too soon, you might never go back. So you gotta wait. Right. So you see the whites of their eyes, so to speak. That's it. Take your kids it feels like, yeah, you don't want to yeah. normalize it. Yeah. Right. When I, uh, I used to do stand-up down there, I used to love Orlando Airport as someone who wasn't married or had kids. Because as you were landing, you would see just how angry the kids were at being taken away. And you could kind of <laughs> empathize with, why would you have shown me this and then fly back to that shit life we have? <laughs> they were so, just true fury from a kid why would i would rather not have known this place existed yeah. than you open and then shut the door in my face so you're 12 years old you fly internationally alone by yourself yes alone yeah year. yeah was that were you at that age was that scary at all or were you excited about that i think that might be my first time on a plane as well wow. i think it was i think it was probably very scary but they would do a thing where it was me and there was another girl who was flying unattended on the flight they came to get us before the flight landed and like walked us to the front of the plane. So I remember that might have been all the monitoring they were doing. <laughs> but I think I think I got a sticker like young flyer with a you know a cartoon plane with a happy face. And then you went back for a whole year. You spent a whole year. Yeah, I did Canada. grade eight in Canada. How was that? Fantastic. Yeah, I loved it. Because I would find that to be a very strange. I certainly eighth grade in American schools is not one you would want to go away for. Feels like your last year with your middle school friends before you go off to yes, high school. That's right. That's what it was. With the oldest oldest kids in the middle school. Yeah, at Winston Churchill Public School. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you probably they, they probably let you in for free. I mean, well, I believe. I'm not even sure I registered. <laughs> you just, just walk in the first in. day and say, I, I think I'm sitting here as Winston would have wanted. <laughs> And so you went in uh, cold, you didn't know anybody, and why was yeah. it such a great year? Because I think it was just like having your horizons just completely expanded to yeah. realize that it was just not, it was kind of nice to be a fish out of water. I loved it there. Right away? Pretty much right away, yeah. I really, really liked it. And it, to the point, they felt a little weird going back. Where in Canada was it? Kingston, Kingston, Ontario. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just down the road from Toronto. Yeah, I think I've been there. So as a family, when you travel, and mm -hmm. obviously you have these 10 vacations, were your parents pretty chill on vacations? Did anybody get temperamental? We had wonderful family vacations, but I should know part of, I think every trip my dad came fully undone at least once. <laughs> what does fully undone look like? It's like fully yelling undone. at a table. Yeah, the <laughs> famous story, the famous story, John, is that we were in a hotel yeah. and my dad bumped his leg on a coffee table. Yep. And he turned, he got low to the ground, shook his fist at it, and cursed. And everybody in the lobby looked at him. Do you think that might actually be the best case scenario? Like, something or someone's going to get it. Actually, it, it's good that it's this table. 
That was all fine. The weird part was we got in the elevator and my mom basically called him out for it. And he very <laughs> calmly explained that the table had hurt him and he wanted to hurt the table. <laughs> <laughs> well, Turnabout is fair play, John. I'm sure you know. <laughs> As if we hadn't understood. You, you, you described him as shaking his fist at the table. So he struck the table. No, no, no. He, it was, he, I think his whole argument was he had shown incredible restraint by not hitting the because table. Because he didn't hurt the table. He didn't. I he see. shook his fist, yeah. He just wanted to emotionally scar He gave it table. a stern talking to. Yeah, that's right. Now he let that table know how, how close it had come. <laughs> you rickety pile of wood. So were your parents calm or were they, um, did they get along on vacations? I think they were pretty calm, but then I, I cannot fathom how they were because they had four kids under seven. There were four of you. There's four of us. When you had said four, I thought it was two of you and your parents. So there's and no how, what? six of us, four kids. Four I'm kids. the oldest. And and boys, girls. What how, what do you have? Uh, two boys, then two okay. girls. All right, and you all. I mean, now this is. I'm glad you said this because now this tent just got. Well, it didn't get any bigger in my head. It, it just did got not, more crowded, well, I, and it didn't get bigger in real life either. <laughs> just the the units inside it have increased substantially. How did the four of you get along on vacations, the kids? At that point, the girls were very small. Okay. So how does a child get on with a baby? I think the answer is fine. Yeah. <laughs> what's, the, what's the gap between you and your youngest sibling? It's like two and a half between me and my brother, two and a half between my brother and the older sister, and then one year yeah. to the final. So that sister. is a big gap. When you're a kid, that's, yeah. Huge. But yeah, I really, now I have so much more respect I started with respect for your parents, but this is massive now. I think that's what I'm gradually coming around to. With two, I, I, I struggle to get my head around how you're handling three, but yeah, four barely. feels four. like I don't know where the reserves come from to yeah. handle that <laughs> and to not physically attack a table for doing nothing to you. I wouldn't have blamed yeah. your dad for just lunging at a table as he walked past it. I mean, I think if my dad had had four kids, he would have burned that hotel to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) All right, one more question now, knowing it's a full six Olivers. What is the transport? When you all pile into the car in your pajamas? One car, Mitsubishi Space Wagon. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) How could it be anything else? (laughs) That does not sound like what a British family would drive, a Mitsubishi Space Wagon. (laughs) (laughs) I think we had a Renault before then, and then it was... uh, then it was okay. a Mitsubishi space wagon. Yeah. Did you have grandparents that were in the picture that were there to sort of help out with all you Olivers? No, no. no they okay. were they were in the picture, but they weren't there to help out on, on a <laughs> gotcha. case like that. That was very much your on your own. Yeah. Were they nearby? You never had to like take a trip to see them, right? They were nearby. Yeah, they were nearby. They were in Liverpool and they were in Banbury outside Oxford. So we would yeah occasionally vomit our way through a, through a, a car journey to get there. <laughs> gotcha. Yep. Did you have the kind of grandparents you were excited to see, or did it feel like a yes, duty? Yes, I did. I did. Yeah. My, That's my, good. I went to see my mom's mom. She lived in Southport at the end of her life. Again, it's just uh, towards the coast in Liverpool. And uh, they were families from Notty Ash in Liverpool. And they, uh, it was famous, Notty Ash, for producing this one comedian, Ken Dodd. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. <laughs> no. Have you? Oh, yeah. I've never. Oh. Google him now. Google it. Okay. He's a, an odd-looking man, and he would tell jokes with feather dusters, and he would dust people. Um, <laughs> so he was like the Sandman at the Apollo, but with a dust. Yes, Duster. a little bit, actually. 
That's not actually the worst one to one. Ken oh Dodson. my god. Oh, but everybody at home, go Google Ken Dodd. What a pa- this paid off great. Think about the whitest imaginable Sandman <laughs> with uh, with two cleaning products that he would uh, invade your body space with. Based on just a quick Google image search, yeah. I would say a lot of his comedy came from making his hair look very unkempt. <laughs> that was, I think, uh, to put it mildly, part of it. Yeah. <laughs> so Doddy, as everybody knew him, yeah, absolute superstar. He was also famously, his origin story, he was a tinker. He would go um, house to house selling pots and pans. That was before he became a kind of nationally famous comedian. And... Uh, I remember I was doing a gigs in Liverpool and I went to see her one day and she was in the old folks home and she said, uh, I know you're a comedian now, are you, kid? Uh, you know, you know, I knew Doddy, you know, when he was a young man. And uh, he's, I remember he sold me this one pan. He said, Bob, if you buy this, you will never need to buy another pan your entire life. And then she reached under her bed, <laughs> brought out a pan and said, and I never did. And I cannot tell you how much she needed to buy a pan two years after she bought that pan. It was, I mean, it looked dangerous. It's like lead paint flaking off it, holes in it. <sighs> this is, this is, I'm not sure this is really legally a pan anymore. <laughs> the best thing about that is it's a story about a comedian named Dottie, but... Uh, my takeaway is that your grandmother was an incredible prop comedian. Oh, gosh, she was amazing. That's the setup to that. That's like a Monty Python sketch of I, I never needed another pan not, and you pull out a... Not as much of a... Money, but I can't remember if I ever told you this. She, uh, she got into trouble for getting into a fight in her old people's home one day because she would walk around in a nightie with the door open and this one other old woman who didn't like her who lived opposite kind of came towards her one day, waggling a walking stick, saying, you got to put on some clothes. And she grabbed the walking stick, pulled it towards her, and clocked her. <laughs> I remember, I, I believe there was a meeting of the families after that. <laughs> I also don't know if I'm rooting for what was under her bed to be just like everything she owned or just yeah. that one pan. It was definitely at hand. It was definitely... Yeah. I, I, it was a weird thing to never bring up until that point. I'd been a comedian for a while at that point. Also, as a kid, I clearly liked comedy. I, I, she, maybe she'd been waiting for the right moment to know <laughs> I can make this story really land here. I just need this pan to decay six more years. <laughs> or she heard you were coming and went down to the kitchen and said, give me your oldest pan. <laughs> That's right. This idiot's so in love with the narrative, he'll just drink it he'll right up. It. If it's got a punchline, trust me, he'll tell it. he'll tell it for years. He'll tell it for years. <laughs> Give a shiny object at the end of it and he'll eat it up. Have your parents made a habit of coming to visit you since you have moved to the States? Do they take a lot of trips to come see you? They have. They came to see your show. You know, I heard they were there and I was yep. hoping to see them and then I, I feel like I missed my opportunity. They they came here. It was the last time they were here. They said, this is very British parenting. They said, we'd love to see a show. And I mistakenly thought they were talking about my show. Went, oh, you can come. Yeah, of course you can come. They went, oh, but, you know, maybe um, Colbert or Seth, maybe we could go see one of theirs. Okay. <laughs> and then I said, actually, I'm on Seth tomorrow. You could come, you could come to that. Went, that that'd, that'd be great. So I, afterwards, I said, well, what did you think? And they went, it was amazing. It really felt like watching a TV show. Like, ouch, ouch, <laughs> ouch a little bit. Yeah. And then 
And I said, would you like to go again? He went, yeah, I'd love to go next time, maybe when there is, and I quote, a real guest. (laughs) (laughs) Now, John, I should say, I was told Henry, our producer, told me your parents were coming. Yes. And I I just, credit to you, I was a little bit more nervous. I've never met your parents, Mm -hmm. but I was a little more nervous that night knowing your parents were there. Okay, yeah. They did ask, they said, can we put a camera on your parents in the audience? And I said, absolutely not. Yeah. I, my mom would be so angry if you did yeah. that. <laughs> Meanwhile, I always say you can't put a camera on my dad unless yes. you mic him because he will start talking. I think that's right. I think they are, they are the opposite of your parents, especially your dad, who, yes, I think is, assumes a camera at all times. He, is he always camera ready? It feels, he is, yeah. He's always, I mean, he's always talk ready. He's always ready to talk, I would say. You know the great thing, I don't know if I've told you about how every now and then they'll say, someone will say, oh, your dad's friends are here at the show tonight. Will you say hi afterwards? And then I'll go back in the green room and I'll start talking to these people. And I'll say, how do you know my dad? And they'll say, oh, I was golfing with him. And he told me you were his son and asked if I ever wanted to go see a show. Like, just literally just a person he met on a golf course. <laughs> wow. So not so much a friend as yeah. someone he briefly met. Yeah, in passing, he briefly met. And and you could argue he didn't even do me a solid because uh, people don't have to buy tickets to my show. That's right. And he's, so. throwing, he's throwing in a meet and greet as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, build, they're billed as... As Larry's friends. So yeah. I feel like Seth feels like, well, I should. I think my dad, my dad would make the argument that he is a friend to all. So well, uh, all of God's really creatures. really stretching language there to, uh, yeah. to his own ends. What's the perfect vacation? I mean, your kids are young, but what do you like to do with them on a family trip? I would not drive in a car with them for four hours and camp for two weeks. I don't have the internal strength right. for that. What I like to do with them? I do not like a beach. Yeah. So I need to have things to do, like a child, you could say. I mm, yeah. Then and I need activities. Right. So we, uh, the last time we were on a beach, we made we did a treasure hunt. That was right. uh, that was really good, really fun. You can stretch that out. Pirate outfits, maps. Yep. There goes half a day. The planning is most of it. It went by. <laughs> Faster than I think I'd planned. <laughs> I broke my toe on a shell. Yeah. Classic pirate move. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pirates never yeah. really, never really looking beneath their feet. Yeah. <laughs> what have they, have you taken them? I'm assuming you've, you've traveled with your kids back to England. Do they travel well on that? The younger one hasn't been. The five year old oh, hasn't right. been. We didn't, haven't been since COVID. Uh, gotcha. The other one, uh, did, he went when he was two years old. To back All to right. London, and that was uh, yeah, it was great. Do they say like have it in their minds of like we want to do this for vacation, and then how much is that? Are those opinions weighted? Oh, I see. Like, do they have any say? Yeah. yeah. Is it like we want to go to Dallas, and you're like, why do you, th- <laughs> why are you thinking you want to go to Dallas? Like, <laughs> we want to go to Dallas. I want to see the book depository. What? <laughs> Excuse me? There was a second shooter. I just don't understand. Is it a library? (laughs) That's my question. Why? Have you been? Have you been to the book depository? I have not. No. I I went, Kamal Nanjiani and I went. Yeah. And uh, I remember we went there 
and we were doing a gig there and I remember that you get, get to the window and I remember looking down and thinking, oh, you can totally shoot him from here. I, I, in my head, I'd always thought it was much, much further away and it was impossible. But you're kind of looking down and going, oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So you just sort of eliminated any sort of second shooter from your mind? I think it kind of eliminated the second shooter. You look, yeah, yeah, it was just, it changed the way I thought about it. it also, yeah. they had X's in the road. This seemed very ghoulish. X's in the road where the bullets had hit. And people were getting taking selfies in the road next to the X's. And this is very much an active road. Wow, it was right. a, It was odd. It was an odd tourist attraction, but it was interesting to go. I'm very impressed. I know uh, some stand-ups who go on the road, and when they get to a city, they will go and do something. Whereas I feel like every time I go on the road, I just sit in the hotel room and sweat about the fact that I have to do a show that night. But our friend Brooks Whelan, uh, oh, who I know yeah. opens for you and, and is open for me, Brooks yeah. Whelan was on SNL. Every I've gone, I've done a few shows with him. You've done many, but everywhere we show up, he just like walks out the door of the hotel, yeah. And I feel like spends eight hours uh, in the city and then just rolls in five minutes before uh, the show starts. He's a great travel companion because yeah, yeah because he's activity based. So he yeah. kind of get it's very good because he can get me out of the hotel room, which very few people can because otherwise yeah. I will just. I would just be in a hole. Uh, John, uh, Josh is going to ask you some questions. Yeah. This is, um, we don't know, we don't know what the name of this segment is. I know we've been asking you a lot of questions, but these are questions we're going to ask everybody. Oh, these are, th we're into a theme part. We're into, this yeah, is a theme part of the show okay. that deserves a name that we don't have for it yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you could take a vacation with yes. any family other than your own, what family would you like to go on vacation with? Living or dead? <laughs> but, but if dead, living. Right. <laughs> yes, yeah, they'd be yeah, living you don't have while you're on vacation with them. You don't have to. <laughs> I would like, yeah, it's not like the, say, bones, the bones of Benjamin Franklin. That's right. George <laughs> the first, I think. <laughs> um, a whole family, and it's got to be a whole family. Yeah, it's like a family that you'd love to spend some time with and be like, oh, that, that seems like a great family. Oh, it seems like a great family. Not that. This will be a car crash, but a truly unforgettable vacation. Well, it depends well, it's your what you're choice. into. It's whatever you enjoy most on vacation. That's such a good question. I would... And hmm. one more clarification here. Yeah. It's, do fictional families count? I think so. We'll, we'll yeah, allow it. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll allow it. You're answering this question like a kid at a spelling bee who's not even in the ballpark <laughs> for how to spell the word. Chthonic. And by family, they're all they're all related. That is yeah. such a fair hit. Can you um? <laughs> Your word uh, is chthonic. Chthonic. <laughs> Could you use it in a sentence? Not in a way that's going to help you. That no, I can't actually. <laughs> I should, but I won't. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know what? I would go with Mo Salah and his family. Oh, Mo Salah, the uh, yeah. uh, the Liverpool, the Liverpool player. footballer. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, because uh, seems like a good family. Was Mo Salah the one who, uh, when you went to a Liverpool game, recognized you not from last week tonight, but for, from a different? No. Was that who that was? That was Virgil van Dijk. Oh, Virgil van Dijk. The Dutch said, defender. The Dutch defender. one of my favorite stories. But it's very, people like John and I, we assume we're the same age as professional athletes. And Definitely. the reality is we are the age of their parents, if we're lucky. That's at right. This point. That's right. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he said, uh, you're that guy from The Lion King. And uh, I went, Oh, that's an amazing thing to know. 
And I think that might be all you know about. <laughs> and then he went back to talking to Trevor Noah about watches, watches that I'd never, I'd never heard of before. I Googled them after the fact. Richard Mille, yeah. they were called. I didn't know of a Richard Mille watch. Yeah. They're, they're, they're basically what a, a billionaire child would like. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Mo Salah and his family. Great yeah, I'll answer. go with Mo Salah and his family. Okay, Because great. That, would, that would be really good for me. And I actually think it would be good for the fact, but I would have a lot to talk to Mo about. I yes. don't think he would have a great time. That's okay. It's this isn't I think about it's him. Fine. This I is about it. You picked it, and we're going to make it work. Yes. <laughs> um, this one I think probably a little easier. Uh, mm-hmm. But if your ideal vacation, would you be relaxing? Would it be adventurous, enlightening, or educational? Not relaxing. I can't relax on vacation. Oh. So yeah, okay, I've never been able to do that. So that's a disaster. I get more tense. That's why I can't lie on a beach. Without Can your wife relax? Yeah, she's pretty good at it. But oh, I think great. she realized, I think she accepted defeat early on. I, I remember the exact, but we went to St. Thomas, our first like calming vacation. And I remember lying down, like exhaling twice and then sitting up again. Going, I can't do this. <laughs> that was my first attempt. And it was like a panic attack. I, I got to <laughs> read something or listen to something or move somewhere. This is yeah. not going to work. Yeah. So the best vacation we went to was Rome. Lots to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. go to the Vatican. You can go to the Colosseum. You can have great. You can walk around. It was great meals. spectacular, spectacular. Rome was incredible. So yes, I would go. Yeah, somewhere where there is. Yes, it sounds awful, but probably an educational thing. Something yeah. where you're learning. That's not I, awful. It, that's see, now we're now we're in line with what I think our listeners expect from John. Yeah, that he would like an educational that's, vacation. That's what I would find relaxing. The Kawabunga kid is all grown up. <laughs> <laughs> And he's asking, where d- where did the Vatican steal this artwork from? Oh yes, <laughs> we're like we're not we don't do that kind of education. It's a, walking through the Vatican. You do think you did it? You did it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're gonna God, tell everyone. All. You're gonna tell everyone. It's crazy. They did it, and then instead of hiding it in the cave, they sell tickets to let people look at it. And as a British person, generationally, you respect that so much. It's the sheer balls of well. Finders, keepers, losers, visitors. Enough time has passed that, you know what? We're going to do it in a museum. Yeah. You can come and look. You can come look. If you pre-book. And I'd advise (laughs) (laughs) pre-booking. If you're traveling, would you prefer to travel by plane, train, automobile, boat, or on foot? (laughs) Let's scratch that last one. On foot, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's lose uh, on foot. I don't think well, we there's... heard. We remember what happened when you're oh, yeah. and you you shelled you, your toe, your pirate hard. toe. That toe was replaced <laughs> by a cork, tiny cork. He has a tiny cork toe. <laughs> I didn't even make it to the high seas. Uh, I think uh, tr- I do like trains. Yeah. yeah, trains are great. Yeah, I think I would. I think I'd always pick a train. If you were stranded on a desert island with one member of your family, who would it be? <laughs> <laughs> oh you know what i'm go, gonna go with my littlest sister claire she's right. uh she is a, a spectacular baker oh there okay. you go that's very smart so assuming there's high-end ingredients on this desert island and i really don't see why there wouldn't be then uh we're gonna eat very well um ec- excellent I like that. I I first thought it was sort of affectionate towards Claire, and it was really just that she could feed you, and so that took a very hard right turn. (laughs) Um, And I I hope I'm pronouncing this right. You're from Erdington in the West Midlands. 
Odington, Birmingham, yeah. It's an right. area of Birmingham, yeah. Now, you're from there, so you wouldn't go on vacation there. Do you recommend no. that no as one. a va- vacation destination? No. Okay. No, I, like, <laughs> vehemently, not, not even like, as a joke. I almost <laughs> bought into the bit, but I, do, I would not want anybody to make the mistake of thinking, well, he said there was something to see. No, do not go to Erdington right. for a holiday. Is there okay. a website even that says visit Erdington? Is, have they made an effort to make it a place for people to come? I, I, unless that website leads to text just saying, no, we were kidding, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let me just see, visit Erdington. Is that something... <laughs> That a human being. Is there a tourist? Is it Nobby? It goes right to Nobby. Oh, oh, Erdington, England, best places to visit. The, the McTunney's Sweet Emporium. That feels like you're in a chapter of Harry Potter. <laughs> or Wonka. Sure that that's a very Wonka. I feel like yeah. that's one of Wonka's competitors. Clay and Play Limited. So uh, the Magnet Center Banqueting Suite in Birmingham. I, the, <laughs> if that's the best photo that they have. <laughs> And then um, the Atlantis Fish Bar, uh, okay. which so there's a, a an old lady with her eyes closed, <laughs> who's sitting in front of a plate of fish and chips. I think she's imagining she's somewhere else. <laughs> you don't want to look at this fish. The best the best photo they have of that fish restaurant is a woman with her eyes closed because she's imagining she wants to be somewhere else. <laughs> I think so. I mean, this is this is literally so. This is the fifth best place. This is this is the photo of her. Oh, oh yeah, she's she's, right. yeah. she's imagining a better fish bar. <laughs> and then Seth has uh, has the last question for you. It's a two parter. Have you been to the Grand Canyon? Should I and, wait for the second part? No, I realize it's important for you to answer the first part. Have you been to the Grand Canyon? No. Do you have any interest in going? I mean, yes. Really? Right, but I think I think um I did a gig in uh Arizona once and I think I couldn't quite make it to the Grand Canyon and back and meet my flight and I was fine with that. Yeah. Okay. It's not going anywhere. Is yeah. is it worth it? Well, Seth's never been and Seth- I don't want to go. I I shouldn't say I don't want to go. If 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 uh, Alexi said we're going and we're going to bring the kids and have a good time, I would trust her, but or I shouldn't say I would trust her. I just wouldn't have a choice. But yeah. Josh wants to go. Yeah, and I've I've been, but I had a dog with me, and you can't go below the rim with a dog. So I've just like seen from the southern rim, and I believe the northern rim strikes me as more interesting because there's going to be fewer people around. But I would really want to go in it. But you've and got a taste it. of it, so so you can you you seem relatively confident. You're not setting your hopes too high. I think it would be a different experience sort of being at the bottom and sort of going yeah. going down into it. I think it has a lot of things that I think I would like and not a lot of things that I think Seth would like. Seth just said, I shouldn't say I don't want to go, but he has said, I don't want to go on yeah. every one of these podcasts that we've done so yeah. far. So. Let me rephrase that. I don't want to go. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, yeah, I think I don't want to go. I think I if you go. said to me, do you want to go to the Grand Canyon or Mount Rushmore more, I would say Grand Canyon, but we're in it. We're a Sophie's Choice situation here. When with yeah. Sophie not really liking either of her kids, because <laughs> one of the kids has four heads. <laughs> well, of course, it's, uh, I'm going to just keep working out this. Yeah. Now. So yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I think I'm think I'm supposed to. 
I'm supposed to be in Phoenix. I don't know if I've got time to. Can you get there? From, you can get there from Phoenix, right? Yeah, but it's a bit of a drive. I want to. Yeah, I don't think I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess yeah. it's like three hours. I don't know that the, for sure, but yeah. The one real Maybe trip more. that I, the one real big diversion I went on was to go see the Taj Mahal. I, hmm. I went to interview the Dalai Lama and came back, and, and it was like drive there, see it, go around, drive back to the airport. It was quite a long drive. That was worth it. Really. Hmm. All right, that's good to know. It's pretty amazing. I think I'm confident of two things. The Taj Mahal is worth visiting at almost any inconvenience. And uh, don't go to Erdington. It's fine. Great. The Great reverse, uh, the reverse yeah. hall. Yeah. Yeah, if it's a choice between the Atlantis Fish Bar in Erdington and <laughs> the greatest monument to love ever built by man. <laughs> You can we take that photo of the eyes closed lady and just put like a thought bubble and put the Taj Mahal in it? <laughs> that she was closing her, she was she saw that janky fish and then just was like, Oh, somewhere there's this, <laughs> there's a beautiful building. If you really loved your wife, you'd build her a mausoleum out of translucent marble, not bring her to a fish bar every Wednesday. I think that's what she was thinking, John. It has been so lovely to talk about. I mean, I feel like we had a see. You, I, I hope all British people realize you can talk about the past, and it's not, you know. Well, we don't know that. Um, we're not going to end this, and I'm not going to have some kind of uh, emotional crisis. That's true. Hey, you have a bunch of stand-up shows this summer. I want to mention real quick. I do, yeah. And uh, what? Are, what? Are, just like all of a sudden, you had all this free time. Yeah, I'm it's very excited. Great. We're going to be doing uh, the Beacon Theater in New York City. Someone, together. I will say, Seth. Just uh, you might. They, I was on an elevator. And um, my, did I tell you this? My, my, uh, some someone was getting off the elevator, and uh, said, "Oh, you must be nice to get this extra vacation time." Oh man! And I was so angry, I went after them, and my wife pulled me back in, going, "No, no, 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 no!" <laughs> actually, actually, not. It's very difficult. There's a lot of things to worry about right now. <laughs> But there are, I'm just going to, uh, anybody who uh, wants uh, John tickets, uh, Durham, North Carolina, Nashville, Denver, Phoenix, Atlanta, Beacon Theater in New York City, Austin, and in Boston, Massachusetts. I won't be going to the Grand Canyon after the Phoenix date, just for, if anybody's turning up to that date thinking that's the, there's going to be like a, a bus outside, like Andy <laughs> yeah. Kaufman would do it to drive it into the Grand right. Canyon, that's not going to happen, I, I the more Josh talked about it, the more I think I don't care. You're never going to go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, I want to uh, try this question for uh, our guests as well. Is there a piece of your past work at any part of your career that you feel like didn't get the attention it deserved that you'd like to plug real quick? <laughs> Have people go back and take a look at? You've already plugged The Lion King. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you were right. Smurfs, right? Weren't you in, were you a Smurf voice? I was a, I was a Smurf voice. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That there's a tone in your voice that I don't feel <laughs> particularly. How are you supposed with. to say? Were you in the Smurfs? It's an impossible yeah, I sentence. Smurf. I was a Smurf. I was a Smurf, and you seem to be. You're saying that as in a challenging way. Were you the Smurf we all think you were? Which one do you think I was? Brainy. Yeah, Brainy. No, would be my guess. Oh. I was not. I was Vanity wow. Smurf. Really? Oh. With the flower behind his ear and yeah. the yeah. The, uh, the mirror. Interesting. Yes. You're right. They went a different way. They went with a kind of, uh, apparently the British accent is narcissistic enough that they felt, oh, this is perfect. Oh, yeah. I guess Brainy being British would be weird. Who was Brainy Smurf? Do you know? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Do you guys get together, though? I don't know. Like I, the Smurf I, I cast? Here's, here's where I got really busted on that. I remember doing Smurfs 2 because uh, if you did the first one, you had to do the second one. 
and I went in for the recording for it, and uh, they were playing in Papa Smurf. And I went, is that Jonathan Winters? You got Jonathan <laughs> Winters for this? And they said, yeah, he's in the first film too. Went, oh, yeah, 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 of course. I mean, you got him again. That's great. It's a great movie. Check it out. <laughs> um, well, that's definitely how you want to end it. John, I will see you soon. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. It's a pleasure, guys. Yeah, safe travels. Always. The young John Oliver and the rest of the Oliver clan piled in six deep. The Mitsubishi space wagon drove to Dawlish. The same trip once again. Cross your fingers there. None of the kids vomits. Puppet Punch says, My wife is nagging me. Gonna hit her with a plank. Well, that was just the style then. You could take it to the bank If you dreamed of sunshine Those dreams they always sank Anyway It was a beach and they were on it John Oliver He'd play football and read his books And sing along with the Commodores And their funkiest of hooks But don't forget, don't forget Ugh, that rugby game when he yelled out something so extremely lame, Cowabonga Dude.